I'm Eddie Rowley, and you're listening to My Country Life, a podcast that takes you backstage and into the real lives of Ireland's country music kings and queens. Each podcast in this series features a country star opening up the doors to their past and taking us on their personal journey into the spotlight. Along the way, they reveal their highs and lows, happiness and heartaches, and their struggle to find success. This is the second half of our interview with country legend Daniel O'Donnell. If you missed last week's episode, where Daniel took us from his childhood in Donegal to the brink of stardom, do go back and check it out. In this episode, Daniel tells of his great success in the music industry, the years of touring all over the world, and the life he has at home with family and friends. I'm Eddie Rowley, and this is My Country Life. We came home and we were playing in the Milford Inn in Donegal. First, it was a Friday night. Now, bearing in mind that when we finished, there was probably 50 people at most, or maybe 30 people at the last dance we did. This was January, and now we were on probably the middle of March. The Milford Inn was absolutely packed. And that, I always say, it was like somebody switched on a light and that light never went out. And what what was the difference? I just cannot tell you. It was Pirate Radio, it was my Donegal Shore. It's a combination. It was a combination of that. And I can remember being, the the dressing room was below the stage. And I can, how are we ever going to get to 2021 from when I'm only in 1986? (laughs) (laughs) But... I remember the dressing room was below the stage and Ronnie came in and he says, God, he says, there's a wild crowd. He says, out there, he says, sitting everywhere. Because Ronnie had left the other band towards the end because I suppose he had a family and there wasn't enough work for him. And he came back then when there was, uh, there was a, a wage put up from, you know, Ritz at the time. They, they took charge of the band and, you know, making it all because they probably obviously saw whatever. And um, I says, is there? So the band went up and and went out. And do you know when the band went up, I could hear the people shouting my name, Daniel, Daniel. I was afraid to go up. (laughs) I can still remember. And I was thinking, what is going on here? And there we we started, you know, and then it was just... Now, it was like... It was like a kind of a wave, you know, because it was the northern part of Ireland, down to about maybe as far as Clare, we were doing well. But once we went down south, it wasn't quite as good. It got good very quickly, but it was better in the northern half initially. And... um, Another place that we, we used to do very well was on the, on, not the Onyukin, but um, Crotty's and Lemmy Brain. For some reason, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Anyway, yeah. uh, that was before the, this, where I am now. And um, then it just went on from that, you know. It's it's. I, I I like to tell that story because I know there'll be people today, there'll be singers that uh, you know when we get back on the road and everything. That there's young singers that are where I was. That's it's going to be just as difficult for them. It's going to be just as hard. It's going to be like you're at the door but you can't open it, you know. You're wishing somebody would just unlock it from the inside, but there's nobody there to do it, you know? And I just like to tell it because it's amazing how it can turn very quickly. Mm. And having said that, you know, it was good to get the period of small crowds because it really gave you a chance to gather yourself or give me a chance 
Very you know, grounded. I was, yeah. 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 Plus also it keeps you grounded because, you you know, where you are now compared to where, where you mm. are where, where then, um, you know, you, you have a comparison to make there. So Oh, God, you have a comparison to make, surely. And, and I suppose I really appreciate, I mean, I... Going on then, I mean, I could never, you, you could never have imagined then the next six years at least. Mm. It was just, I suppose, it's, I don't know, could you say it was a wee, it's a wee bit like what Nathan Carter experiences. You know, I don't know what, I don't know, maybe it's not a good, maybe he's even better than that, I don't know. But like everywhere we went was the doors so were closed. Queues outside. Before we even got on, you know, we'd be arriving. I remember arriving at the castle in Dungiven with the gear, because we all travelled together at that time. And, like, there was a queue there at, like, six in the evening to get in to the thing that was starting at 10 or 11. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to to go back, you know, and just imagine that... It could all be as it as it was, and it was incredible uh, work rate then for, for absolutely for, for a few I years. And did you ended up everything. I w- do you know this? If somebody asked me to open an envelope, I'd have gone and done it. <laughs> That's the truth. Because yeah. I just felt that this couldn't last like this. Yeah. It could not last, and I w- I just better keep motoring. And you did. And I did. And it brought you to your knees. At the, at, 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 I was so, I must have been so exhausted <clears throat> that it came out in my voice. I, I just felt I could not sing. I was, just my throat was wrecked. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily wrecked from the singing, it was wrecked from the continual going. You know, you were, you were recording, you know, on your day off. Even going in maybe on the day of it, going to play at a dance somewhere. And, you know, maybe playing five, six. Some nights we would even, some weeks you'd even do the full, you know. I remember one time doing 13 nights in a row, which maybe it sounds not that many. But when you're traveling up and down the country and we there was no motorways, you know. The only piece of good road that time was from out to Nace. And that was a dual carriageway. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, there was nearly none. It was a bit up the north where were decent. But, like, it was a wild journey to go anywhere. So, yes, I got really tired, you know. You're lucky you didn't drink. And you didn't, oh, I was and lucky in that smoke. respect. I, I, I suppose I was very blessed that I, I decided that I wasn't going to be a drinker. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't know, I did nothing for me. And I didn't... Um, God, I just suppose I hadn't even tasted drink then. It was much later when I even tasted it. And when I did taste it, and it, it, it had no effect on me, good, bad, or indifferent, so I knew that it, it wasn't going to make me any better. But by 92 then, you were, you were in trouble. I was in trouble then. I, I had, I just, I suppose, I don't think I had a breakdown. You know, people, sometimes it's, it's you try to, dramatize it, that it was this big nervous breakdown. It wasn't, it was, I was just exhausted, literally. And I went, I went to see, I was, go, I went, was going to Tom Wilson, he was brilliant. Uh, he was a, a, an ear, nose and throat specialist, but he, he did singing, you know. And Tom, uh, Tom lived out in Stillorgan. Uh, and um, I used to go to him. And I was going to him before, you know, because I knew I was in trouble. And I had gone to Veronica Dunn, God rest her. And Veronica didn't know who I was. How, it didn't matter. So I wanted Veronica to listen to how I said, no, 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 she's just singing away there now. And I mean, I really wanted to get to Veronica, you know. So I remember when, when I got, because hard to get to her. I, I didn't know Tom at this time. And uh, I brought her a bunch of flowers. So I was at her for a while. And then she decided that that she couldn't really do any more for me because I was not going to be an opera singer, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I mean, she actually said in an interview, she just felt that she just wanted to leave me with the voice I had, you know. Yeah. And uh, she didn't know until one night she was watching the 
television and something came on that I was on or something. She says, that's the fella that's coming here. So she, she wasn't, got a great kick. I met her numerous times after. We, we laughed about it. So then I... You had to take a break, though. Then you? I got... I was going to Tom, and I went to Tom, and the night of my 30th birthday, and um, I was in the Mount Eagle Hotel and Letterkenny, and I... It was the worst night ever for me. I was just... I felt... I felt I was like I was climbing up a hill all night, you know. And then we went down to Carlo, and we did a we did a thing there, and I was really struggling. And we went then after Christmas to the Onyokan, not the Onyokan, the uh, the cushion in Kildangan, and had about I don't know how long into the night, couldn't sing at all. Did you think it was all over? I didn't know. Yeah. I just could not. I couldn't get the voice out. I I went to Tom. I did the award show. Then the the um, you know the um, national entertainment awards. I was singing as the guest. Mm-hmm. This was nineteen ninety one, you know, and um, I sang on that. I managed to sing on that, even though it was only a few days after the thing. And I went to Tom, and Tom says, "You need to take a break." I says, how long should it take? He said, you'd need about six months. And I remember going to Sean Reilly on probably phoned him, but I went to see him on New Year's Day. Now, you can imagine what this was like, the amount of dates that they had for me. It's we were supposed to, yeah, we were supposed to be in Dunmanway, the famous Dunmanway that I went to sleep in Donegal Town going to year, the years before. Um, I... We were supposed to be in Dunmanway on the 27th. Uh, I couldn't, no, maybe the 28th. No, I couldn't do that anyway after we did uh, of December. And we were supposed to be in Cavan and Coothill on New Year's Eve. The band went and did that on their own. I couldn't go. And on the first then, I remember going over to Sean and saying to Sean what... Tom had said, he said, long do you need six months? Right, to say. And you know, that I suppose how I was lucky because Sean, there was, an, and, and it must have caused, a caused huge disruption to have to cancel so much. We had a tour then in the UK, I don't have many dates that were sold out at that stage, you know. Um, and they, supposed to cancel them. I, they must have only cancelled half of it to see how I would be. And I did. I was able to come back mm. halfway through. I came back to the Civic uh, Theatre in um, Hat, uh, Halifax. And God, I can remember that was a tall order, you know, going back, singing that night. You know, you... you, you Confidence is just absolutely shot, you know. And um, but I, I suppose I, I did. I went back and did that tour. But then I officially came back in the point, which took you to a completely new level. And you know the fun. This not if I should say funny thing, but isn't it amazing? The the worst things that can happen you in life. Now, that wasn't the worst thing that could have happened to me, not being able to sing. I could have been sick with something that I would never recover from or somebody, you know what I mean. Sure. So, some, But at the time, you think it's the worst thing. But I would not have been in the point if I didn't take that break. And, you know, I remember being on holiday somewhere and I was sitting, met a group of people, and there was this, but well, I don't know what age of person he was, he wasn't that old. And I feel he was German. And he seemed to be kind of psychic, and he said to me, he said, and this was not long before, he says, you're, go- he says, you're going to uh, stop doing what you're doing. I says, what do you mean? Oh, he says, yeah, he says, you're going to stop. You're going to talk. I said, what are you talking? I was kind of got annoyed because he didn't know what I was doing anyway, you know. But he says, but he says, don't worry. He said, it'll only be for a period. 
And then he says, you'll do it in a different way. And I didn't think much about it, but then very shortly, this was sort of in maybe about September time. And Kieran and Sean, Kieran Cavan, who's my manager now, um, they decided that I should come back in the point. And I just, you know, you can imagine what it's like. Where I was at the time, just kind of gathering myself to get strength and then be told the show will be doing the... And I I remember saying to Sean, I says, well, I says, if you think that's the right thing to do then, I says, sure, that's okay. And it was. It was. Yeah. But it was... Because at that you, time, sorry, to you, me... Your voice recovered? I did, yes, I recovered. And Tom was a very big help to me at the time. Um, and I went to a homeopathic doctor too in, in Castle Bar, Kevin Barrett, who was a great help to me, you know. My my thing wasn't... It wasn't, a, it wasn't so much a physical sickness, you know. It wasn't... It was just really mental exhaustion that I had, you know, and it, I suppose when you see people, athletes or anything, it goes it goes to the part that they use most, the the pain. And I suppose my voice was what was okay. you know yeah. and that's you know, you can say I suppose if you're religious you'll say, Well, God hit you where it needed to be hit to stop because you had to gather yourself, you know. And 30 years on, it's still in good stead. It's still... Yeah, I suppose what that period then made me realise is that I have to take time mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Now, I will say there was times when it, you know, when you know when you're driving along and you're going more than the speed limit, but you don't realise it. And then all of a sudden you think, God, pull yourself back here a wee bit. Um, That happens every so often. Not so much now. I'm very good now with my time for myself. But after I came back, you know, there was periods. And then, you know, you just realise that you don't want the same thing to happen again. And I've said to other singers, you know, I said, be sure... I remember saying to Nathan, I says, Nathan, would you be sure to enjoy what you're doing? Because I don't think sometimes that I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, but I didn't realise how good it was. You know, when I look back, I know. Because you were so busy. Because I was so busy. Yeah. So yeah. You, weren't, you weren't taking yeah. it all in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good advice to Nathan. I think yeah, it pays. I just said that. And yeah. I remember Nathan saying to me, Do you think I should do the point? Or oh, it wasn't the point, it's the old the three, arena. three arena. I says, Nathan, I says, absolutely. I says, on your way up, I says, reach for everything. Do everything that's that up you, you can possibly get within your even I said, if it's a step up from where you can reach. I says, reach for it anyway. I says, and once you do it then, I says, you don't have to do it again if you don't want to, but you've done it. I says, absolutely do everything that you think is is possible. And one of the things you did was Top of the Pops, which was also huge. And that was back in in 1992 as well. I I mean, I'm of the generation that grew up with Top of the Pops and we watched it and... You know, a funny thing happened not long ago when the Facebook things were on. I remember Susie Quattro was Devil Get Drive and Can the Can, all these. She was the lady. And we watched her religiously. And I was doing something on Facebook. And who puts on a comment? Only Susie Quattro. I couldn't (laughs) believe it. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny how things just bowl you over. But... I was on top of the pops, and that was just unbelievable. And it was a great year. All it around. was a, listen. It was the best year ever. It was nineteen ninety two, and Donegal won the All Ireland for the first time. And the exact week that I was on top of the pops, Sam O'Quire came to Donegal. <laughs> I was on top of the pops on 
I think it was Friday night. It was. Te- I think we did it on Thursday. It was on Friday or whatever. And I was in Crow Park on, on Sunday and Sam McGuire headed for the hills. It was a good good weekend. Oh, my God. I came back to Dublin and everybody, there was so many from home and there was functions on everywhere. And I was up, going up this O'Connell Street and going to this bar and I was singing I Want to Dance With You. And they all knew, you know, they knew about Top of the Pops and me, and they knew the chorus and it was fantastic, absolutely. And the Grand Hotel and Malahide, the night of the... Of the old Ireland was we'll never forget oh. of your life. Brilliant. I don't wanna be the one who hesitates. Be too shy, wait too late. I don't care what they say other lovers do. I just wanna dance with you. Well, I got a feeling that you got a heart like mine, so let it show. Let it shine If we get a chance to make one heart of two I just want to dance with you I want to dance with you Twirl you all around the floor That's what they invented dancing for I just want to dance with you I want to dance with you Hold you in my arms That's what they invented dancing for I just want to dance with you Uh, TV has been good to you, um, including Mrs. Merton. uh, I know. Yeah, and and Caroline. Yeah. Caroline Ahern, and yeah. uh, she appeared in one of, in one of your she uh, did videos. The video she did the Christmas kiss. I was on with Mrs. Merton. I remember people saying, "Oh my God, don't go on with Mrs. Merton. She'll take you apart." But I think her granny had told her, "Be nice to him. Be just now have manners." And I, I mean, her mother too is Maureen is lovely. Um, but she was, but you know when she put on, when she came out as Mrs. Merton, there was no sign of Caroline at all. Right. She, different persona. Absolutely. But it was a great show. Yeah, yeah. You, you survived it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. great. And then in, in 2000 then, you had, uh, you were, you were honoured with uh, This Is Your Life That's uh, right. show, yes. which was. In, in, it was super. Yeah. Again, another show that I would have watched all the time. And you always watch it wondering, I always wondered, did the people know? Do you know? Mm. And then they just were going along with it. And you didn't. And I absolutely didn't. We were do, we were at the Palladium on a TV show. And Engelbert Humperdinck was the headliner. He was on. And the show was going on forever. And at the end of the show, we all had a letter, you know, spelling out Saturday night at the London Palladium. And I had this, I don't know what letter I had now, can't remember. And every artist held a letter. And they were footing about with these letters. And the stage was turning and we were supposed to turn holding this letter. And then they did it again. And Engelbert was next to me. And Engelbert, then the stage stopped. And they would, turn, they would move people and they would move the letters. And, and I was thinking to myself, this is an awful carry on, this. And Engelbert said to me, he says, well, what's, what's going on now? I says, I says, it's not enough, I says, to be holding the letter. I said, we have to run round now with them. You know, we had to run because the stage apparently broke. But what they were doing was they were stalling because the other people must have been filming. And they were trying to keep... That must be what they were doing. Okay. But then Bruce Forsyth said... Who was hosting Who was hosting, God rest Bruce. Then Bruce said, now this is when we had jumped around the stage, run with this letter, and I always had the same letter. My letter was never changed, so that I was always standing wherever this letter, but some of them were moving, holding a different letter. So Bruce said, and we now have another special guest. And I remember thinking, well, I said, this is a pure shambles of a show. I says, but if it's itself, it has nothing to do with me. This is all in my head. Tell myself, this is a sight. And the next thing he said, Michael Aspel is here. 
And then obviously the crowd knew that he was going to do. So I knew immediately he was going to do This Is Your Life. And I can remember looking at Engelbert and I took a wee step back and I th- this is all in my head saying, well, I'm going to look at this fellow now to see. Does he know or is he absolutely shocked that, you know, this is He's happening? He's the one that's going yeah. to be chosen. So I was trying, I stood back and I was getting a good glance at him on when Michael said, and we're here to do a real version or a, a version of the real Danny boy. And that's when he said, my Daniel O'Donnell. I thought, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> do you know? So I know that nobody ever knew. But that was a great night, you know, because I suppose to recount a lot of stuff and, you know, my, my, aunt and my uncle and you know they're all passed away my mother and you know, lots of people that you know it was a lovely night for us to have and then a couple of years later um you got an mbe from prince charles that's right 2002 yeah that was for your contribution to music mm. yeah it was it was a, and and i couldn't figure out you know when i got the notification how it could be and i found out then it was just the fans that had written you know, individually, not collectively, I don't believe, individually, um, to, I suppose, either to the government or the palace or where they write, mm. just to say, you know, they would like, because the music meant something to them, they would like me to be honoured on their behalf. So that's how it came about. So it was, it was fantastic, and lovely. Lovely for your your mother Absolutely, as well, my mother you know. came and... Um, Magella and Margaret came. There was only if John came as well. We were only allowed so many. It was up in the ambassador's residence, um, kind of out in the country almost. And my mother, you know, um, my mother just absolutely loved uh, Princess Diana. She just, she cried just so much when Diana died. And the funny thing about it is that in later years, she got very affectionate towards the Queen and everything, after the visit the Queen made here, you know. But we were saying, now, Mammy, don't, for God's sake, say anything to Prince Charles if you meet him, you know, about Diana. Don't say anything, you know, that, you know, that should have looked after her better. Or So, anyway, we were all in, and Charles was coming round, Mammy was sick, and still see her sitting, and... I don't know, did she catch on to his coat or not? Because that would be like what she would do. And she'd say, and she looked up and she says, I wrote to your boys when their mother died. And I said, oh, mother of God, I'll not even get the MBE here. Um, But that, and he just then, oh, that was very nice of you, ma'am. But I thought, oh. What's she going to say I thought, what else is she going to say? (laughs) But it was a lovely, it's a lovely night, you know, just to, to get it. And, um, yeah, and, and the, the people, uh, you know, fantastic people, you know, went to the trouble of, of writing. Um, Strictly Come Dancing is another uh, big challenge. That was huge. Oh, gee, was it a challenge? Be careful what you wish for. I know. You know, the funny thing about Strictly is I we love Strictly. I always watched it and still watch it. And we were in Tenerife. I had decided after Magella had her treatment finished, we had decided that we would take a break. I would take, you know, I suppose up to two years off of, from touring. And I did say to Sean, I said, Sean, if something comes up that allows me to be in the one place, you know, I'll, I, I don't have to be, but I just want to be able, you know, not for to be going from here to there, just for us to have time. And we planned to go on a cruise and that kind of thing. You know, that was our just, you know, because we were so grateful of our recovery. So we were in Tenerife and Magella's brother and his wife was there. And I don't know what was on about Strictly. And I says, I wonder if I wrote to Strictly now and said that I was off the sheer because I would never have been able to do it, you know. I wonder whether would they, would they take me on, you know. But just, you fancied it. Yeah, just... To them. And I don't know how long, maybe three weeks or a month after, this email came from Sean. And I read the email. And it was from the Strictly people. 
wondering, would I be interested in taking part in the show? And I remember I was sitting on the couch and I got up and I went over to my and I says, read that. I says, do you see, what do you think that means? And she says, that's them asking you, would you go on strictly? <laughs> so I genuinely didn't think, you know, for any length of time, I just said to Sean, I said, I'll do it. So I'd, when I met them then, the, the two producers, I suppose the way, or two women in Ireland, and oh, you had to meet them nearly on their cloak and dagger. And then it was, you got the thing that you were going to be on and you weren't allowed to tell anybody and I didn't tell anybody. And um, my, I, they have a name for all the people. My name was Tarzan. <laughs> that year there was one of them Rapunzel and there were all these names of um, Disney films or something and I can remember when I went over to England first to be met there was a man standing with a clipboard with Tarzan written on it <laughs> in Heathrow at Heathrow Airport <laughs> and, like, and I knew he was going to be there and I thought oh, how am I going up to this villa now you know so I was kind of walking up Mm. It's me. <laughs> it's me. I think I'm on the television. I'm whispering here. It's me. So you know, I kind of walked with him, but not with him. You know. So Tarzan was my name till it was announced. You were really out of your comfort oh, zone for on God. that show. Do you know what? And the funny thing about it, Eddie, is that I just love dancing. I absolutely. I always have, and pro- as long as I'm able, well. Um, but. The, just the Strictly thing was so difficult. I mean, I at the end I said to them, I said, I know now I'm organic. Because if you see an organic vegetable, it grows the way it wants. <laughs> it might grow sideways or, you know, I am definitely not a regimental dancer. Yeah. I like to end up where I arrive. Country jive yeah. or, or whatever. But listen, it was an amazing experience. It was, oh, you when did the well. Lights, yeah, when the lights went on in the theatre or the hall that we were in, the studio, and the glamour and the glitz and the, what do you call it? Sequence. Sequence. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you got Christina, who's. Christina was super. She your, was your just partner. lovely. Yeah. Absolutely lovely. And the people, Jeremy Vine and Carl and Ewan and. Peter Andre and all of them, the whole group were, it was just, you know, it was such a, I'm sure every year is the same, they're all, but we had such a lovely group of people. You got three shows out of it, did you? Did. Uh, we yes. were, I was on, I did four. I did a waltz, I did a cha-cha-cha, a Charleston and the American Smooth. And actually the American Smooth, I thought that was my best. You know, I thought, well, I, I'm all right t- tonight after. But that was the night. And do you know this? I, I said to them, I was like Ronnie Delaney, or, or maybe Usain Bolt, to bring it up to date. I was that glad to get out. <laughs> I, I would have ran home. When you saw the exit. When I saw the exit. <laughs> now, I still enjoyed it. And if somebody said to me, I've got a chance to go on Strictly, what do you think? I, said, I would say to them, do it. I was, I was, gee, it was tight. Yeah. It was so hard. And I, I just couldn't remember what I was to do next. I remember when we were doing the cha-cha-cha, I was dressed up like Danny from Greece and that hair, this big hair thing they put on, was way up on top of my head. And there was, halfway through it, we kind of went down on our hunkers and back up again some kind of move or what it was. And then the finish was you ended up down again on the floor. So when I was halfway through it, I thought that was the end. <laughs> and as I was standing there, <laughs> Christina yanked me up. Oh, jeez. Shocking. And, you know, it, it, people would have assumed... Absolutely. Like you would, they would think I had sailed through it. flew through it. Yeah. No. Yeah, because you've done shows. You've done your own rock and roll yeah. shows. Yeah. You know, which are Just, choreographed as yeah. well. But it was... But, yeah. But listen, it was super experience. Yeah, amazing experiences. Mm. And then um, the the B and B road trip. You know that was all jealous. around the one time. Mm. Um, Magella 
and I were talking and um, now Magella says she came up with the idea so I suppose I'll stand to be corrected um, that we were talking about maybe a travel show you know just going places in Ireland and um, then Kieran went to the you know to the company that that did the show and um, all of a sudden we were on the road do you know, at, at, at what I thought maybe it would be in a year or two this would happen. Yeah. But it's like they were able to do it then and it was only going to take two weeks or something. You know, so again, it was what I had said. Um, what It was on the same time as Strictly, mm-hmm. you know. So we, we recorded it in the July and I remember... Um, Somebody saying to me, because Strictly was such a big, you know, hush-hush. Somebody saying to me, you're going to do a reality show. I said, Taurus, who told you? What am I going to do? They said, oh, yeah, you're going to go around Ireland. I said, sure, that's a travel show. I didn't realise that this was, I suppose, about us. Yes. I, I didn't think it was going to be about us. I thought it was going to be about... I don't know what the places and now the people that we met had a huge input to the baby. Yeah. The owners. owners. They were brilliant, Mm -hmm. you know, and I suppose what made it a huge success was that the first place we went was Anne and Roscommon. And Anne was just so excited. Oh, for God's sake. And, you know, she was saying we didn't see Anne before we met her, obviously. And she was saying, he's here, he's here, they're here, he's here. And the first thing I said when I met her, we're here. <laughs> you know, like, it was, like it was, somebody told me to say we're here. But that went viral then. It was just, everybody was watching it. So when it came to the first show, loads of people were there watching it. Yes. And for some reason, it just it, it was a caught massive the success. imagination of... Yeah of people and even now everywhere we go people say he is going when he is going traveling again you know he is going to have another show i remember being down in Kerry, and we were out in the beach it was raining and magella and i were singing with number and we were singing singing in the rain just singing in the rain and i said to magella i says what are the people at home going to think of us I says, they're going to think we're off our heads. Because I just, I didn't know. This before you'd seen it. I just, and then when when we saw it and we had to do voiceovers, we were actually laughing at ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it was it was the interaction between the two of you yeah. that was the whole um, magic of, of, of that uh, mm. series. But you see, you don't, we we weren't any different to what we are. No, and but people didn't know you, you see, uh, yeah. didn't know Magella maybe yeah. as, as well. Well, um, and you know, there was very little direction. Mm. They really did let us loose. That's how you are in real yeah, life. Yeah, they let us loose on the thing. An odd time they would say, you know, after we would have said something or done something, they might have to film it from further away. So mm-hmm. we would have to kind of walk the same walk or something. But they really did not... I mean, they set everything up. They set up where we were going. But it was what we did when we got there yeah. that was... I mean, even yesterday somebody said to me, God, when you opened that window and the flowers fell off the, off the thing... I mean, I had went into this room and obviously it was down in County Louth and the woman had lovely f- pots, flower p- pots outside with window lovely side. flowers. And I said to my dear, oh God, I said, look at the nice flowers that's out here. So I it was sitting there and I pushed the window and it was in the end of the pot. Oh, she was pot down on the ground. I jumped out the window trying to fix the flowers before anybody would see it. And this, when it all went on television, it, it just looked so funny yeah. that somebody was caught out, you know, doing things that we all do. I suppose you, you try to fix the thing and hope nobody will realise it. Yeah. But it was going on the television on me. 
you have a great relationship with um, Bajala. So that was a lucky day. Absolutely. The day you met her. Yeah, we we I suppose we're both blessed really to have met one another. At the time we did. You know, some people say, Would you you know, isn't it a pity you didn't meet sooner? We met when we were meant to meet, you know? Yeah. And because you know, she brought a different dynamic to my life altogether, you know. And I mean I mean, there would be no B&B trips and all this kind of thing if I hadn't met her. But, you know, Siobhan and Michael were there. They were young at the time. And Jealous children from they, her they, from, from her marriage to Raymond. And they just became a big part of my life too. I'm not their father, you know, and because their father's there. But, you know, that we have a great relationship, all of us. And then Siobhan's children, you know, they can have more than one grandfather. So I'm their Gaga. Yeah. And you're the doting oh, grandfather. They're just granddad, the best. Gaga. The best. <laughs> you're yeah. like a big child with oh, us. I've seen, well, I've you seen know, it. the funny thing about it is, I, Olivia sometimes, I really don't know how old she thinks I am. Because she'll, she'll say to me, Gaga, come on, I will go out and play. <laughs> you know, come on out. You come out now, Gaga, and throw me in the lawn. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, throw me up and down. It's just strange, you know, that she doesn't see me as an older person. And yourself and Magella, you, you get on so well. We do you're, get you're on really well. compatible. Yeah, we do get And, you know, we're totally different. You know, I just say Magella thinks after she speaks. <laughs> you know, I can th- think about it, you know, and then I might say it. But she's no. taken you out of your comfort zone in, in, in a I lot suppose of ways, so. I she? suppose so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. have done half the things you've No, done. I don't believe I would, no. Yeah, yeah I don't believe I would. <laughs> um, and you have some of your, your own idols, if you like, are now your friends. Yes, I mean, to Loretta, be, Loretta yes, Lynn. I just, I love Loretta, you know, and, and of course Charlie Pride, who we lost. Oh, Charlie. Charlie was, I just love Charlie. And we know we're great, for, we know Cliff very well. You know, so these three people I mentioned, I mean, there's lots of people that I admire and, and that I enjoy. But these three, I suppose, are the three that I would have enjoyed most. And, you know, to be able to to go and visit Loretta in her home is a great, you know, if you can, if you can put that in perspective of a fan being able to visit somebody that they really admire. And, you know, I've got to do TV shows with her. I recorded with both her and Charlie. Charlie did endless TV shows with us, you know, in Nashville and Branson here and, you know, in Dublin and Belfast. Anything we ever asked him to do, he did with us and for us. Um, so... And then you had Loretta in... King Castle. And Loretta was in King Castle at the, at the festival. Life came full that circle That was there. just... I can't begin to tell you what that was like. Yeah. It was like I thought I was going to faint that night. So this was at the Donegal Shore Festival. 1997. I had met Loretta. First of all, I went to see her in Wembley at about 80, in 1984. And I just met her briefly. I was stood, I was walking up the Wembley, up the Wembley Arena when the festival was on, the uh, Mervyn Conn Festival. Country Music Festival, and I walked, and I seen these people, and I all of a sudden I see Loretta Lynn sitting signing autographs, and I just stood away back and looked at her and looked at her and looked, and then they were ready to go, and I just ro- walked up to her and I says, "I love you," she said, "I love you too, honey." No, I meant <laughs> I loved her singing and everything, you know. I, said, I love you too, honey, and so that was all the meeting I had. Then, nineteen eighty nine, she came and was on the TV show. Now. I remember I went out to the fanfare in Nashville. I had met the Jordanaires uh, at Wembley and they had been singing on um, some recordings then. I was out at the fanfare and one of them brought me to Hurricane Mills to where Loretta's ranch was. And I remember looking for a tape that I could hear Loretta speaking on as, a, as well as singing. Isn't that strange? I I felt that there was just something more about her, you know, that I wanted to hear more of her as well as her voice. 
And then in 89, she came to be on the TV show, TV which was huge. Oh, my God, it was huge for me to, to meet her there. And I remember, too, my mother, the bold mother, was never far away. She made pancakes and she took them in and I gave some to Loretta. And she had watched the movie, you see, Mooney, the husband. Of course, in the movie, Loretta shows about Mooney going with other women and... She met Mooney in the corridor. Loretta was standing. Loretta's a very petite woman. An RTE. An RTE. I can still see them in the door. And my mother came up, swinging the handbag. Ha ha, me boy, she says, you are a rascal. (laughs) And Loretta says, go for it, man. You give it to him. (laughs) You are a rascal, me boy. The poor man was last seen in court, uh, was he? (laughs) Oh, my God. I can still remember it. But... um, you know, then I've been, I've stayed with Loretta. She would always say to me, honey, you must come and stay. You must come and stay. So I did go and spent a weekend and we just, it was just Isn't brilliant. Isn't amazing? Unbelievable. And then I went the last time to see her was when she, after she had her stroke, I went to see her in Nashville. She was living in the house. But I speak to her. I spoke to her just after her her birthday. I spoke to her the day Charlie Pride died, the day we heard about Charlie. I spoke to her. Because um, I knew she was a great friend of Charlie's too. And I just said to her, now I says, I phoned you. I says, because I want you to know how much I think of you. I says, Charlie's gone. Oh, honey. And she yeah. When are you coming to see me? You know, so it's yeah. it's lovely. And Cliff, we, we, you know, we talk to Cliff every so often. Yeah, and you put Cliff ahead of Elvis in. I always loved Cliff. I mean, yeah. of course I love Elvis yeah. too and the songs. But I, I suppose I just... Grew up on this side of the world and Cliff was huge here and I always loved his shows and his, well, his songs, because I didn't see Cliff, I suppose, until the 80s. Uh, I got to see him first. Um, and then you became... And, you know, really, it was through Magella too that I really got to know Cliff. Yeah. Because I had met Cliff, you know, at different things. I did go and did his tennis, but it was very much as a professional... A corporate thing. You know, yeah relationship you would meet him I mean, we always had an album out at the same time so we almost almost met on the door of BBC going in to do or coming out of doing interviews and I'd say hi Cliff how are you doing and he'd say I'll see you in the church you know that was his thing but um, it was once until the Donegal Shore Festival he came as a guest then one year after I got married they said they could have man or woman it didn't matter it wasn't going to be a bell of the ball so Cliff came and he stayed in our house but I was didn't stay that night because so I I didn't know who was there and then the next day you know because he was in our house Magella had got acquainted with him and I was chatting to him and he says have you any shows in England say oh, we're coming to Croydon I said maybe I'll come so he came to Croydon and he said why did you come and stay after that because we're going on to Brighton and then you know then we ended up going to Barbados and he's come to Tenerife and he's been in Dublin with us and you know we've just gone on holidays together so we we built up a, a lovely friendship you know he's a really nice person I, I interviewed um, Cliff um, this year and uh, he was saying that back in the early days before he got to know you, he knew of you, uh, obviously because you're in the charts yeah, and yeah. as you say, you'd meet in, in radio shows and stuff. But he was really intrigued by you when you turned up at one of his shows on the bus <laughs> with his fans. <laughs> I did. I went on the fan bus to the show. Yeah, I did. I did. Like, this guy is something is different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 he's, 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 he's just say to me that something. He's, he's, he's like, just couldn't understand. He said, well, "Why were you on a bus with fans?" <laughs> and why I were says, you on because a bus I was a fan, Cliff. <laughs> That's why I was on the bus with the fans. But uh, yeah, and I still, when I go to his shows, I still feel like a fan. Yeah. You know, even though he's, I'm a friend of his, I still get the enjoyment. Uh, you know, being a friend, I still see the brilliance of him on stage. You know. Yeah, and he still he still has he that still passion has, that you have. Yeah, he has a huge passion. I think Cliff is more of a passion than I have because I do think that I would like. Like Cliff doesn't even know the word slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, I I do I am I have slowed down, and you know after we go back, I I don't know what way 
things will be. You know, after the pandemic, you know, it's very hard to know how people's confidence will be. Will will there be a lot of people at shows? You just don't know. But I do believe that I, I want to be able to have more time. You know, I've spoken to Kieran about it, you know, to have more time off and do some things. Enjoy life. And, and yeah, yeah. You have your grandchildren yeah, and you yeah. have your family life and so mm. on. Um, but yeah, one of the things about you uh, throughout your career was your connection with the fans. And you would spend hours after a show meeting them, including in, in the point where the security guys could, <laughs> thought this was crazy stuff. But, you know, that's obviously going to be a little bit different now yeah, post-COVID-19. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Mm. I mean, I don't know how we're going to deal with that. I don't know. Well, maybe it'll be taken out of our hands. Mm-hmm. Maybe we won't be allowed to do it. Maybe we will. Yeah. But I suppose the the difficulty is that, you know, that there will be places where COVID will be, you know. So if you're doing a tour, you cannot afford to get COVID, even if you're vaccinated. Mm -hmm. You might get a flu, but you can't afford to get COVID because if you have the flu, you can still function with it. Yeah. And you're not going to infect people with something that, well, I say they won't get over, but I don't know. I just don't know. We don't know yeah. about, enough about COVID, you know. No, exactly. Um, but it's going to change the way you, you, you work in yeah. the future, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so. How do you feel about that? Well, I I love meeting the people. I love meeting people after the show because I suppose I got to, I mean, this last year, you know, even a lot of people, a lot of older people have passed away and I would get notification from their families and some they'll send photos and I wouldn't know them people if I didn't meet after the shows. Yes. You know, I wouldn't. I go, I go out on the stage and I see loads of people that I ha- didn't know before, you know, that I know them by sight, and a lot by name, but an awful lot by sight, because they come all the time. And, you know, you're you're looking at them and you know something that happened to them or for them or their families. I mean, you know, you know, their families. You're, you're very much a, a, a people person. Yeah. Yeah. I think no matter what I would have done yeah. to be interacting with people would have been important. We started off talking about um, your your mother and the islands and and, and all your background and and in May twenty fourteen, your mother she, your mother died. You lost your mother, mm. and uh, people thought that you know God, when when Daniel's mother goes, uh, he, he will never be able to bounce back from this. But 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 you did, and yeah. and and, and you you even managed to sing at the graveside. I did yeah? Um, you didn't sing in the church. No, we didn't sing in the church. And I, my mother said to me, I had written this um, um, song beyond the rainbow's end. And she said to me, sitting one day, she says, you'll sing that now at my funeral. I said, Mommy, she would be too upset to be singing at your funeral, whenever that'll be, and just passed it off. But then at the graveside, I just felt, sure, why not? You know, she would have liked it and I was able to sing it and I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a case of breaking down or anything. And this you is know, the song you wrote. That's the song I wrote, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of her wish, that what she said that day. I have gone from sight, but I am waiting Waiting just beyond the rainbow's end I'm happy in this place that I have come to Because I'm here with my forever friend Now all your thoughts of me, let them be joyful Of things we've done and happy times we've shared So don't be sad, dear ones, because I've left you Please laugh and talk of me as if I'm there 
My mother had a wonderful life. You know, she was just two months, she, June, July. She was two months off 95. Up until she died on Sunday morning, on Saturday afternoon, she was conversing with us quite lucidly, you know, about whatever was going on. And she went so many places. Um, and I suppose we had to be grateful of the, the longevity and the time we got with her. No one, the little time that we got with our father, yes. you know. Yeah. So you have to be grateful for what you have and not be sorrowful for what you're losing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that that there's a lovely poem. Uh, you can be sad because they've died, or you can be happy because you knew them and because they lived, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's you know we were very sad, you know, but we were only sad for ourselves. It was her time. She had lived long enough. Her physical health had deteriorated, and in the last six months, maybe up to a year. Every day or every couple of days, she didn't feel well. And we couldn't make her better. She was just wearing out. Yeah. And body. Yeah. And it was, t- it was her time to go. Now, to be honest, I thought she was going to make 100. I, I really thought... <laughs> she, she was a rem- yeah, remarkable she was woman. remarkable and she was, yeah. you know, she was... And she was like the queen at your concerts. You Absolutely. Would, you would inter- introduce her I and she'd stand up and... I did and she'd do the royal wave and, yeah, no bother to her. Yeah. But, you know, I did, you know, I, I went on tour pretty much two weeks after to America. And the first night, I suppose, the first sound check, I thought, God, how am I going to do this? And then, I don't know, I even sang medals for mothers and dedicated a tour and pictures of her. And, you know, I was able to, to do that. And I suppose aware that of all that we did and had with her, it was a great comfort and knowing that she was better off. She got to see all your success. She got to participate in so she much did. of it. She got she to did. meet she, all the people. She did. She met loads of people. She loved going to the show. She loved going to Margaret's concerts and she loved coming to mine. She loved her great-grandchildren. She got to see, you know, uh, I think five, four or five, four or five great-grandchildren born. I think it's four. Um, so it was... You know, it was her time. I, rem- I remember her saying to me that, um, you know, all your fans would constantly write to her. Mm. And she said that it's lovely at that stage in her twilight years yeah. that she's not sitting in a corner forgotten Hidden about, away, yeah. that she has this interaction with yeah. people and she loved writing letters. Yeah. And oh, she was, you will not believe the amount of people all over the world that come to concerts with a handwritten letter from my mother and show it to me. Right. Right to the end, she was your, you would your, not, your PR person. You would not believe it, Eddie. Yeah. The amount, and I know the handwriting, as soon as they produce it, I can, she was a good, very good writer. And, you know, she only went to school. She went to school till she was 14, to the national school. That was as far as she got. And out to work. And out. But she could, she could spell and she could write a letter as good as a solicitor. It was lovely that she saw all of that. Yeah. And, and great that you were able to yeah. share with with. Great her. that we were yeah. able to share. And, you know, she would say, if somebody said, ah, you must be very proud of them. I'm proud of them all. You know. Yeah. yeah whatever everybody was doing. But, like, she would go to Margaret's and I would phone her and say, what was the, the, the oh, it was the best night ever. You know, Margaret's night. So then she would come to one of mine. Maybe she would go home and I might, maybe the next year, even maybe that night if I came and I would come in and stick my head in. Well, ma'am, ginger, oh, it was the best night. So, <laughs> so everything was yeah, the best. Yeah. yeah. As you said, remarkable that uh, one family produced two, two major, yes, I major entertainers. Yes, it was. It was uh, you know, I suppose if you have the ability, uh, if you have the education and the mental ability to be a doctor or a lawyer, you can have as many doctors, as many lawyers in a family as they want to do that thing. 
But music, there's a certain amount of luck in it too, you know. Of course you have to have talent. There, 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 there's a talent there, you know, and, and but there, there's an element of the lucky break too. And I always think that we were extremely lucky. The two of us out of the one house could have had independent success. I mean, the Bee Gees had collective success. The Jacksons had a collective success, even though Michael... The Osmonds had collective success, but then Donnie and Marie, but it came from the Osmonds, you know? We had individual success, which is amazing. Remarkable. What a life, Daniel. And thanks for sharing it with us. Thank you, and thank God, and thank everybody that's listening for giving it to me. You've been listening to My Country Life, a Sunday World podcast. This episode was produced by Ian Malini, and the theme music is Rose Gold Renegades by Jesse Fritzell. If you enjoyed this podcast, do consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. That makes a big difference for us, and we love to hear what you think. Until next time, I'm Eddie Rowley, and this is My Country Life.